Hi, I'm Patty Erdos. I am a certified professional coach and I specialize in holistic transformations from the inside out so that you manifest exactly what you want in life. I'm here talking to Pablo. I connected with Pablo in sophomore year in high school. I think he was voted superlatively like best or most well-rounded person in our group or friendliest, I think it was. So connect with Pablo because he knows what he's talking about and he has this very easiness about him to talk about anything and really touch upon some valuable content. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, in my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way and in that I learn from him. This means every single person you ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person and therefore has something to teach you. And you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every networking event or conference you walk into is both a library and your stage. Your network is your personal Google and you are a part of everyone's Wikipedia. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I am your Chief Executive Connector. Follow me as we meet people in my walks. Find out what we can learn from them, what they've learned from others, and what made them want to connect so you can learn to gain and give value to others in all of your interactions. I am terrible at asking for stuff, but if you want to do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. Let me know what you've learned from each episode, or at the very least, Hit me up if I can ever be of service or any kind of value to you. Now, without further ado, let's get connected. Welcome to the Chief Executive Connector Podcast. My name is Pablo Gonzalez. I am your Chief Executive Connector. And today we have a really special guest, someone that I've known since high school, who studied and worked in marketing and communications for over 15 years, including almost eight years at a little company you may have heard of, Apple. And at one point, she found an opportunity to fuel her passions, help others, coaching them holistically, helping them transform from the inside out, connect intuitively and manifest consciously. She is a professional certified coach, a super nice person that I can't help but smile every time she's in a room or I'm interacting with her. Welcome, Patty Erdos. How are you, Patty? Oh, thank you so much for that awesome introduction. I'm great. And likewise, you've I mean, since high school, have always been the connector. So this role is completely suited for you. Um, I'm great. Thank you for asking. That's that's why I brought. I need somebody to vouch for me that I have been the same idiot the whole time, right? <laughs> so. You have. I mean, you're like this little this ball of silliness and just happiness that everyone wants to be around. So you're awesome. Thanks, Patty. I'm so happy to be doing this with you. Yeah, I'm happy to be doing this with you too, Patty. So, you know, like like we talked a little while earlier, my one of my main, I still haven't figured out how to say thesis in plural, but one of my main ideas is that people connect through shared vulnerability and adding value. And I know that you're going to add a ton of value in this conversation. So I'd like to start on the vulnerability piece. Like what um, what is something that you have really struggled with in the past? You know, so... Um my journey even into becoming a coach was full of vulnerability. Um, I mean, and I think I want to bring this forward because I feel like a lot of people relate to this. You are in corporate America. I was in Apple, an outstanding company with loads of benefits, a great culture, um, you know, amazing teams, producing influential work, uh, very creative. And anybody who I tell, I would tell, I work at Apple, their light, their eyes would light it up and be like, oh my God, and how is it? And is it amazing? And and it is, and it was amazing. Um, it was also my first job that I felt like I had made it, you know, like I had felt like I had actually achieved the certain status in my career where I was going to go upward from there. And, you know, I was very proud of myself. But along with that came sort of, I felt like Patty was tied to Apple. I felt like I was only important because I was working at Apple. So somehow my identity was tied to this job. And as the years went by and I loved my, my job, I loved work. Um, like everything, it started to get routine. 
And my values started to change in a way that I didn't care so much about climbing the corporate ladder as I did about like what you're doing now, connecting with others. And so the vulnerability came about because I was like, well, what am I going to do? You know, like I am going to give up all of this and the huge fear of the unknown after that was just stopping me on my tracks. So I, at the time I hired a coach and I worked with her during that. And we sort of started to uncover those fears about, you know, this false security blanket that I thought that I had. And I think a lot of people end up staying in situations, whether it's a relationship or a job or a life situation where they're just comfortable because they are afraid of that unknown step after that. And therefore that sort of their identity is also tied to that relationship somehow. So it's always about that fear of the unknown and how do we embrace that uncertainty rather than run away from it, right? Because if we think about it, life is just a series of improvisations anyway. Nobody can control what is going to happen, but we can create it. So I felt really vulnerable. I ended up understanding that whatever happens after this, I will make my own identity. So I didn't feel like it was tied to a particular role just because this was an important company. So I think it's important to know because again, so many people suffer from being an autopilot or staying stagnant or just enduring, tolerating less than ideal situations because they don't know what's going to come next. And that is one of the biggest issues I think that people have in general is the fear of the unknown. So totally. that was sort of my my journey into that. <clears throat> Man, I totally connect with that story. Like com- like completely connect with that story because it is you look around and you you see this is good enough, but then it isn't really for you and everybody else around that sees the good enough part doesn't understand what's happening in inside. Exactly. And I think it's, I mean, this is something that you know well, right? It's it's a, the, the growth mindset and the idea that when you are seeking to grow, all of a sudden your priorities aren't aligned with the people that love you the most because the people that love you the most want you to feel safe. Right. Whereas like if you want to grow, then you're looking for a little bit of risk and a little bit of danger. And I, I want to deconstruct that with you big time. Sure. But I want I want to go back to. I just see so many parallels in you and I. Right. Like uh-huh. and and I know you were born in Brazil, right? Correct. Yeah. What, what age did you move to the U.S.? I moved to the U.S. when I was 11. OK, so kind of yeah. similar, right? Like I moved to the U.S. Yeah. when I was nine from Venezuela. How, do you, how much do you think that that plays a role? How much do you think that the idea that you were already an outsider and had to like restart at some point as a, as a young kid makes you comfortable in that, in that fear of the unknown and fear of change? Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like from a young age, I, I did have to deal with adaptability. Uh, my, the reason why I moved to Miami was my parents got divorced and my mom wanted a change and sort of brought me with her here. So from a very young age in adapting to new environments, new country, new, you know, I, I knew English, so it wasn't that, but it was a new culture for me. Um, definitely strengthened my uh, ability to adapt and be flexible. And I think those two qualities in any person or situation are so important if you are willing to into that position so that you can grow because when you were talking about mindset you know I I like to call it um, fixed mindset as sort of a tunnel vision and growth mindset as sort of a prism so kind of like if you're going up an elevator you are on the first floor right on the ground floor all you see is the ground floor as you go up the elevator and you go up you know um towards the top, you can see maybe more of the block or the city or the neighborhood, whatever. Your vision starts to expand because you are going up in, in, in your energy and in your, in your vision. So 
you know, harnessing that adaptability is so important for growth mindset because you're not in that fixed state where all you see is this and therefore you're not opening yourself up to seeing the opportunities. Um, so I think that those two qualities, flexibility, adaptability, and sort of being present too is what allows you to embrace whatever comes because then whatever comes is sort of a product of just you living the moment. So talk to me about when you went from, what, what was the pain point that made you start to realize that your identity was tied with Apple, but this wasn't really, really you? And what was that first like shift of either presence or perspective that you got that made you start seeing that prism? Yeah, good question. Um, I feel like, you know, in tech companies, and I don't want to generalize, maybe it's corporate in general, um, but especially Apple, they hire you for a role that you're specialized in. And in that specialization, they want you to excel in that field, right? And I kind of felt time after time after trying to sort of go up the ladder and maybe change positions and try other things. And I, I, I was given a lot of opportunities, but I never changed from my position. And so after that, I started to feel as though, you know, is this the position, like if I think about my legacy, I think that that's what came up. If I think about my legacy, do I want to be thought about as someone who worked at Apple, which is an amazing thing to do? Um, or do I want to make the difference that I've always known inside of me that I wanted to be someone who created impact? Um, and so, like I said before, I feel like at that sort of crossroads where I'm doing my job day in and day out, and it's great. I did it with my eyes closed sometimes, but it wasn't driving me. It wasn't fulfilling me. And so the crossroads that I reached was my value started to shift. And I think that that's a, the utmost important thing for someone, for anybody to identify. What are your values? Because once you identify your values, you're going to go after more of those things that you value versus the opposite. So I started to notice that Hmm. Do I really want, let's say, money, prestige, connection, benefits, work for Apple, like that important identity? Or do I want to do something that fuels my soul that has been sort of growing on me? So the value of connecting with others and generating impact, I don't know if it was also my age, you know, you reach like, you start reaching like, you know, this middle age crisis situation where you step away from, okay, I'm producing in order to gain prestige or gain status to now the other part of your journey, which is how can I give back now? How can I take what I have and create the impact that I've always craved? So I think that that started to just kind of come together in a way. I'm really glad you identified the the age factor of it, right? Because I've been, I, listen, I've been accused of having a midlife crisis because it's okay. happening at the same exact time that it happened for you. And I think it's correlated, but I, I like to think that I feel like your first like 20 years or so, you're just kind of who your parents taught you to be and, and what's, and, and what you were kind of raised to be. And somewhere in your twenties, you start to find yourself. And then in your thirties, I think there is a select few people that, realize that they have different values. They, they, they have created their own set of values and now no longer want to live by the old values. And they might be, they might, they're, for me, they're very overlapping, but it's a different, it's shifted, right? For sure. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with the idea that this, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that it happens in your late thirties because yeah. that's kind of the spectrum, right? And, and, and I think this midlife crisis really is kind of this like thing that you're saying that it's a self-awareness thing. Once you become self-aware of all of it, and I think it's commendable that people do it. I think it's commendable that people step out and decide to take it, you know, take responsibility of it as opposed to settling into this life that they knew wasn't for them for the comfort of whatever it was. And it feels like that's now what you help people do, which I think is awesome. Exactly. 
Exactly. I think that things serve their purpose whenever they happen. And then after that, you yourself know when you feel like you're an autopilot. And once that hits, it's either, you know, it's that famous quote, I think it was from Tony Robbins, you know, what is worse, the fear of the fear of change or the fear of staying the same. So once one trumps the other, that's when you will go, okay, now I need to change. So it, it, it became that it became like, I, I am, I know I'm comfortable here. I know I have a lot of benefits. I know that I'm, I love this company and I do, and I left in great terms and I have good relationships with everyone there, but it wasn't, you know, like you said, honoring my values. And when we talk about values, it's exactly what you said. You have your sort of given values from your family and maybe the place, you know, your workplace or any sort of environment. And what you were saying, your chosen values and those chosen values, your chosen belief system, it's, it's, it's malleable. It changes constantly. It's not like a fixed thing. Um, what I value today, might be different two years from now. And then that shifts. So identifying those things are key to then living a joyful life, because if you're living against your values, then you're obviously not really honoring what you do like, what, what brings you happiness. Yeah. The, uh, in high school, you used to call that selling out, right? Selling out. <laughs> yeah. So, That's so tell me, we so, did a lot. <laughs> so tell me about the people that you help Patty. What's, what's your typical client and, and what's the, you know, how do you help them cultivate a growth mindset and transform from the inside out? Yeah, I don't have a typical client per se. All I can say is that my clients are all going through some type of transition, whether it is a career transition or a life transition. And most of them just need to reconnect within because, um, that's why I, I do the transformation from the inside out. Um, what you were saying before about values that we're giving to you and everything like that, from the moment that you were born to the moment to now, you have had millions of experiences that shaped who you are, right? And that creates a lot of limiting beliefs. So if I, for example, had a relationship that was toxic or had had that experience, I might have that limiting belief that all relationships are problematic or whatever it is. So I, I help clients and people to understand their belief system and overcome any of those limiting beliefs that are impeding them from really doing the things that they love. Um, most of my clients are professionals and they um, have made great strides in their businesses and in their personal lives. Because once you work from the inside out, it has a ripple effect on any, everything in your life. Because, again, you're seeing things from a different lens. If before my lens was relationships are challenging or problematic, that's how I'm going to see it. But if I change the lens to relationships are great and so fruitful and they can offer you so much, then am I already ch changing my perspective of it? And therefore my experiences are going to be different. So it's all about that lens. And I help them to identify what lens are they looking at in the world and how can we shift those perspectives so that it supports their values, so that it supports their belief system, so that it supports what they want to accomplish. And that process is, you know, mixed with tools and tips and um, exercises that really help them go within and start identifying that and sort of clearing the clutter, right? Because if you don't know what your clutter is, that's why we shine a light on them, then you can't clear it. So it's about going in and sort of identifying those things so that we can overcome them. Interesting. And <clears throat> what is, you know, what's, what's the best way to, to put a to put a lens that allows you to have a growth mindset like what what are you seeing people are when they're when you're trying to give them the growth mindset lens like what is the common thing that you got to overcome or, or or tip you can give there that's an awesome question because one of the most powerful tools that i offer is something called the energy leadership index assessment and it's an assessment um that is rated by forbes as one of the top assessments that every executive should take and one of the top assessments to identify your strengths and weaknesses. And through that assessment, it really 
it's like a series of questions that is meant to trigger your subconscious to identify how you show up in the world, how you see the world, the lens, as, as we talked about, and how that's really affecting you. Because a lot of the times we don't even know. We're so uh, adjusted to performing in a certain way due to habits or patterns that we're unaware. So this assessment is great because it channels exactly how you're showing up under normal circumstances and under stress. And so for growth mindset, it's about sort of energy at the same time, because if I approach something from a victim point of view, and when I say victim, I mean at the effect of. So if I feel like, let's say I'm going to give an example about somebody broke up with me. And if I feel victimized by that and I feel shame or, I don't know, self-conscious or doubt about that, then that is, I'm not going to be able to see a lot of opportunities, you know, from that. So a growth mindset is about elevating that perspective to a point where you can accept what has happened and then start looking for the opportunities beyond that. The growth mindset is about shifting perspectives and lens. And the way to do that is first by identifying where you're at now, if I'm feeling frustrated about something, then I have to understand that this is something that I'm frustrated with, accept that. And then I go through them in different levels of awareness of where you can achieve that sort of, now I can see the opportunity and now I can. And so it's a whole process with this assessment is a very powerful tool to know exactly sort of what your makeup is in your mindset and how we can take different situations, whether at work or personal life or school or whatever it is to start analyzing how you show up in those situations and how we can change that so that you're experiencing more overall satisfaction in that area because you're switching that lens. Sounds like that elevator ride that you were talking about. Yeah, it's exactly that. That's the way that I describe it is if I'm a victim, I'm in the ground level I'm not able to see beyond that because this is all I see. I'm suffering. I'm focusing on my hurt feelings. Um, I, you know, I might hate the guy that broke up with me. And so I'm stuck in my little pity party. If I'm stuck in my little pity party, I can't not have a growth mindset. So in taking them up that elevator, then they start seeing, okay, I was broken up to it is what it is. Or, you know, I care about this person. I just want them to be happy. And then moving up, 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 it's more like, okay, now what are the opportunities? I want to be with someone who wants to be with me. And then going up one more level, it's like, there is a purpose to all of this. There's a grander story here. And this person came to me for a reason and sort of so, but in order to get to that, you first need to accept those hurt feelings and deal with them and, and then rise up the elevator. I love it. I love it. I, you know, on a, on a visual sense, I like it because it, it goes right in line with something I like to say that is you can't gain perspective without distance, right? Like you, you, if you're looking at a Monet or whatever, it just looks like a bunch of dots. If you get back, you, you see the painting, right? And how you describe it of going up an elevator to then be able to detach from like that present moment feeling to then get perspective. And it takes oftentimes somebody like you, a coach or a friend or somebody that can give you that perspective, separates you a little bit for it. And I want to ask you, in, in the things that you're talking about, uh, that people are holding on, right? You mentioned something about how people resist, you know, resist change or resist accepting things the way that they are. Can you tell me a little bit about, about that struggle of, of, of people not, not accepting and, and, and the power of being able to, to accept that? Yeah, so it's one of my my favorite things to talk about because you know the 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 saying what you resist persists, right? What you resist, you're basically saying no to the present moment. So you're basically pushing that away, right? You're resisting that feeling or that that what whatever's happening. And if I'm resisting that, then then the present moment is going to keep hitting me with it until I accept it which is why acceptance is such an important thing in anyone's life. Once you accept a situation, whether it is I have hurt feelings or whether it is um, I'm bored or, you know, whatever current situation you're in, once you accept it, then you're able to then decide what you want to do with it. 
But unless you accept it first, you're going to keep going. And then when you're saying about getting stuck, if you don't accept it, your mind is going to keep turning the hamster wheel about, well, what does this mean? And what if this and what if that? And, and then so it goes down this sort of rabbit hole. So a lot of the times when people can't create those shifts is because they don't first accept where they are now. And, you know, and then I get that, I get a lot of the question of, you know, well, you know, why should you accept and like things, you know, you should fight for what you want or, you know, that's unacceptable. Yes, I get it. But you first need to acknowledge the situation. So if you don't acknowledge it first, how can you ever have that perspective of how to change it? Um, another, an example would be, and something that I've suffered with a lot, you know, sometimes I can have my lazy moments and I can be unproductive and I'm in front of Netflix binge watching for like six hours straight. And I'm thinking to myself, well, shit, what am I like, what am I doing here? You know, I'm wasting this time. And then I start feeling guilty about it. And so the guilt starts to kick in and I'm like, well, why am I what? And, and then I get, and sort of that spins around. Why is that spinning around? Because I'm not just accepting the fact that I am lazy and I'm choosing to be lazy and that's okay. After my laziness streak finishes, I'm going to start doing something else. And I know this because it's in my nature not to be lazy. I am a productive person, but I think that people don't give their, themselves the leniency to just succumb to that feeling for a little bit and then change it. You know, once you get to a point where you're like, okay, this, this felt like good. Now I need to progress. So acceptance is key to shifting perspective. Otherwise, it's, it's almost impossible to rise up that elevator unless you first know where you're at. Super, super relatable, right? Like I think about the 15 years I was in the construction industry thinking that I was so lazy and leaving all these things on the table and I haven't done all these other things. And yet it took a friend of mine to like tell me, hey man, you, you can say all this about you, but at the end of the day, you've risen through these ranks and you started a company and then you were the director of sustainability and you've done a, you, you're somebody that's over-delivered based on what you expected. And I until I gave myself, until I accepted the fact that my strength wasn't the, the executing on the X's and O's, but the connecting people and being able to have conversations with people so that then I can figure out what they're trying to say and help them communicate it with other people. And that's what helped me do it. I never, you know, I, I just didn't, I thought I was lazy and that I had no work ethic, but really I have a huge work ethic when it comes to getting to understand what you need and how to, and how do we get you to, to say it correctly. I don't have work ethic when it comes to, you know, other, <laughs> other stuff I don't care about, but I needed to exactly. accept it. Yeah. Exactly. To then be able to lean into it and to then make the most out of your skill set. So yeah. what, what would you tell people now with what we're going through, right? Coronavirus There's a, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening right now. That's just unfair, right? Like, it, you, you know, you lost your job. You didn't deserve it, whatever, you know, they're, they're, we're all in hardship. How, how could you apply this? This framework to that. So it's interesting. I, I would like to do a little exercise for that if you if you don't mind. So Thanks. taking into that uh, growth mindset perspective, um, based on my coaching, there are different levels of awareness, right? And so I'll I'll guide you through them, and it's like from level one to level seven. At a level one perspective, sort of that ground floor again, it is fear, right? Number one is fear. I'm sort of, you know, we all dealt with the fear. We might still be dealing with it at the same time where you're just paralyzed. You're so consumed by fear and the news and doubt and whatever that you just don't do anything. You're kind of at home, just, I don't know, watching TV and border, whatever. From a level two perspective. So once I am past this sort of I don't know what to do about this and I'm fearful and I'm paralyzed. Maybe I got a little angry about it. Maybe my thought at this point is like, well, a little defiant, like, and we saw that with the spring breakers, with the toilet paper, you know, let me fight for what I want and I'm not going to regard anybody else. So it's, it's more like I win and you lose because I am going to do what I want and I'm going to defy what's happening. So I've sort of gotten angry a little bit and we saw the toilet paper, we saw the spring breaker. If you go up another level, it's about accepting 
again. So it's almost like that infamous line, it is what it is. So we're all in this together. It is what it is. We take, we start taking responsibility for what's happening. Once you go up one more level, it's about having compassion and having, um, being concerned for the others. So we see a lot of people, you know, concerned for the elderly or for the less fortunate and how can I help them and everything like that. So that's how, again, growing up that growth mindset. When I go up another level, it's about the opportunity. So yes, a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people are in, you know, difficult situations. But once you focus on that mindset, then you can start seeing what are the opportunities here. And we saw that you know, probably in social media, people who used to DJ in clubs were DJing at home and, 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 you know, going viral with that or uh, workout routines now doing at home. So it's that adaptability to see those opportunities and capitalize on them. So when we're in that mindset, we don't see black and white or good or bad or right or wrong. We just see, okay, what are the opportunities here? Because where there's a new reality, there's, there's new opportunities. Going up another level, it is about the grander scheme of things, which is, you know, the earth is healing. There's a greater purpose for all of this. Um, we're, we're being asked to connect with each other in new ways. Um, and there's something very joyful and fulfilling in that as well. And then finally, this last level of awareness, it's sort of what I call like quantum physics type of thing where it's almost like, okay, the pandemic doesn't exist because if we're all one, if the universe is kind of like this huge blob, there's no separation. So that doesn't exist. It's not like something beyond ourselves or outside of ourselves, but that's sort of quantum physics um, mentality. It's a little bit hard to grasp for some people, but you know, I took you up this elevator of thoughts and emotions and sort of understanding of the pandemic and you may fall at different points in that spectrum depending on different situations if i watch the news for example i might fall back a few levels because i'm just like bombarded by this situation sort of my fear starts kicking in again so really it is about how you see it in these different levels and how you choose to what lens you choose to wear and then being mindful of your consumption of the news and other things like that, that might affect that lens. So that's how I see it. And that's how I'm helping people too, is to understand that this, while it is, you know, complicated and it's affecting many people's lives, there is an opportunity here to really connect, to grow, to evolve in ways that you didn't think it was possible. So I yeah. love it. That was a that was a great illustration of the elevator. That was, I mean, perfect, perfect. So let's talk about. I'm, I'm not. I don't know. I'm smart enough to be on the quantum level physics part of it, but <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely I see it very opportunistic, right? And yeah. I I see I see this. I see what's happening. There is a lot of short term pain, and I'm not diminishing that. But I think a lot of what's happening is that we're really accelerating trends that were coming anyways. Right, like yeah. work from home was going to happen anyways. Learning to use social media in your fifties, you needed to have done that ten years ago, right? Like, and I want to talk to you in it in, in with regard to that trend. As somebody that has a master's in mass communication, you know, you graduated college when I did, when social media was just getting started, right? Like Friendster, MySpace, whatever. Like we went through that in college. God, you went to the Friendster. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, I never used Friendster, but yeah, but I, I like MySpace was a, was a tipping point for me. Right. Like yeah. when I moved to California in 2004 and I didn't know anybody, I was using MySpace to make friends because I had no other, I used Craigslist to make legit friends. Right. Like I was looking for friendships. Yeah. So the way that it's all evolved, how do you see, and you know, I also don't want to diminish the role of content in our relationship, right? Like you and me, we were friends in high school. We'd see each other out of Miami. There was a time in like the early 2000s, no, like the, like the early 2010s, where we'd see each other at a bunch of concerts because we were kind of into, into that same kick. And then we kind of came, came back onto the map when I saw you take your sabbatical and you were in Japan for a month. And I'm like, yo, Patty, I can't stop looking at your pictures. This is amazing. And, that, and that's kind of when we kind of reconnected. So how do you see... 
I don't know, what, how, how do you see the progression of content and, and, and in our daily lives and in marketing and whatever from, from your perspective? From my perspective, I think we're seeing a shift towards companies or professionals adding value to their customers. So it's not just about product-based or just focusing on um, the, the nitty-gritty of the product details or service. It's, it's, it's a grander perspective of values and, um, and that values that go beyond, um, that, go, that, that really make difference. So I think people are going to be looking more for companies that are involved in that, whether they're giving away for charity or whether they're involved in some sort of, um, you know, charity organization. So I think that the, the, the shift is going to be a lot more towards value-based marketing. Um, and I think that in general, people in their communication need to keep that in mind about authenticity and value, keeping their customer in the forefront versus their product or service. So fall in love with your customer before you fall in love with your product and service, because that's how you're going to be able to serve them the best. And you as a person value, like uh, let's say I value what women empowerment. Well, then I want to tie my product or service to some sort of woman empowerment movement or, so I think that there's a shift now with everything that's going on. Um, people are taking notice that, you know, we're not in little silos anymore. We're all, you know, kind of in this together and how do we contribute more to our growth as a species in helping each other? How are we doing? Can you see me? Okay. Yeah. Better, much better, much better. All right, cool. So do you um, want to kind of take it from like, uh, grow, like now that we're all interconnected? Yeah. Now that we're all interconnected, I feel like it's less of, um, you know, consuming for the sake of consumption and more about consuming for the sake of a grander scale and purpose and connection, you know, like how am I contributing in a way to others and not just about myself. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, you know, in, in what you're saying, two things really stand out to me. Number one is that idea of fall in love with your customer first is very much why I think that I connect with people because I like genuinely am like in love with everyone I talk to. So therefore, when I communicate with them, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's about them most of the time. And, and, and I keep saying that my superpower is that I see something special in everybody, right? Like, it's not like it's, yeah, I can talk jive and whatever, but like, to me, it's like seeing that and, and, and having that genuine curiosity. So that makes sense that as a company and in mass communications, that should be the, the key pillar. And the thing I really want to dive into with you is my wife and I were having this conversation about how as humans, we've always kind of tried to figure out manifest of like a physical manifestation of the collective consciousness. And it feels like the internet and all the, all the physical content that's on the internet is the closest thing to a physical representation of that now. And in what you're saying of we're moving towards how do we add value to that ecosystem? It seems, it, it seems to be right in line with like, how do we elevate, you know, how are we elevating consciousness? And now that it's all so apparent, it's only going to be more and more important. Have you ever thought of it that way? Or? Exactly. You nailed it. Okay. We're going to get a little bit more levity here going on. Yeah. <laughs> Patty, how did we, how do, how do, we, you know, how do we meet, right? Like how to, what, tell, tell, yeah. tell it from your standpoint. Were you, were you in the academy or yeah, you were in the academy. Or no, were you in the academy? I went to the high school. I went to the high school. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we met there. It had to be then um, sophomore year because freshman year I was freshman year I did this thing where I went back to Brazil. I was going my raging teenage hormones, and I was like, I'm done with Miami. I want to go back to Brazil, so I stayed my freshman year there. But I came back to Miami in my sophomore year, and yeah, um, I can't. I mean, I can't remember the exact moments, but um, we shared some classes together, right? Like, gosh. Yeah. I think, I think, I think you're saying, yes, correct. I think it was sophomore year. We were in a class. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So, you know, I just asked this cause I'm trying to kind of deconstruct how, 
you know, what for some, for the person, our friend that's listening right now, right? Like yeah. what, um, what kept you, you know, what, what makes you want to stay in contact with me after all these years? Like, what, like, what is it that, that works? If somebody's trying to work on something where they just want to be able to have friends that they can keep up with for 20 plus years and, and, and stuff like that. Like I also just for my own itinerary, you know, my own, like not itinerary, um, inventory. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just yeah. like to ask people that to, so I can continue to do stuff like that. Right. I think it's a, I think it's a general sort of curiosity and a sense of curiosity over others. And I think that that quality, if you have that, then you're just also more open to reconnecting with other people that you might not have seen for such a long amount of time. And, you know, knowing you from high school, again, you're always very communicative, very playful, very lighthearted. You know, I've also followed your trajectory over the years. And um, when we reconnected, I was like, of course, I want to see what's going on in your life, you know. But again, I think that there has to be a sense of curiosity and openness towards uh, people that you've had a connection with and continue to build on that, you know. I will admit I've never been to any of our high school reunions. Me neither. Um, either based on I was traveling or I wasn't available. But um, so I haven't been back and sort of reconnecting with other people that we mutually know. Um, I do see a couple of people here in the Grove every now and then. But uh, but yeah, I think it's just a general sense of curiosity and, and affinity towards what you were doing and how we got together around the same time. Yeah. Cool. I love it. That's awesome. All right. So now we're lightning round. Ready? Um, (laughs) What is your favorite restaurant in your favorite city and what dish do you get there? (sighs) Wow. That's a charged question. So it doesn't have to, you don't, it doesn't have to, you know, it can, it can be your favorite restaurant and favorite dish, right? Like you don't have to overcharge it with favorite city. I just want to give people like good dining tips whenever they're traveling, (laughs) right? I don't even remember that. That's the worst part is that I don't remember, remember the, the name of that restaurant. That's the worst part. But it was this little restaurant in San Diego. I know, I know. And they had these fries. And, well, it's going to be easy to find out because it was this crazy restaurant where it's like, okay, I'm going to paint this scenario for you. I was there with my brother and we're eating at the bar and they serve you, whatever. And then all of a sudden, the light, the, the music stops the lights go on and I felt like I was in a Disney ride because they start like the drums and like things all over. And then that happens for like 30 seconds. And then you resume dining as usual. And then that repeats itself throughout the evening, like various times. And you're just like, what is happening? But anyway, to make a long story short, they served these fries that had these, um, God, it was like a God, I can't even describe it. It was like these loaded fries that were so good. I crave them all the time. That and in Japan, any ramen place is like the most soulful, sort of amazing bowl of food in front of you. So I think those oh, are my two. Man, I didn't give you like specific names and I wish I could remember, but I I'm dying to go to Japan, man. Like those pictures of you in Japan made me oh, so. All right. Well, so just more detail. Is it like a luau themed restaurant? Is that why there was yes. some like drums? Yes. Okay. So it's, it's like a luau like themed. And it, you go through a secret like entrance, like through the back, and then they take you to the restaurant. And it was like a newer rest, new, newish type restaurant in San Diego. I'll find out the name for you, and I'll. All right, I'll, cool. I'll cool. Give it is it you. in downtown San Diego? Or is it in like Pacific? Do you know that much? I think it was. Oh, the gas. All right, whatever. Let's let's come off it. All right, we'll we'll figure that out. We'll figure that out on the follow up. Terrible memory. <laughs> what? So what? Um, what kind of con- What content are you most into right now? Right, like it could be uh whatever podcast you're really into, or a book that you're really into, or a a, a TV series or person that you're following that you're really into. Uh great question. Let's see. What am I into? I mean. I definitely have a few books that I've been reading and that I, you know, I'm kind of even picking up for the second time because I love them so much. 
But one that's actually quite good for this time is a book called Comfortable with Uncertainty by Pema Chodron. She was a she is a Buddhist, but it teaches you exactly what we were talking about, how to soften yourself to uncertainty. And at this time, again, because the future is unknown, it's a great sort of book to read to sort of understand how to just cultivate that that softness and, and how to embrace it, how to be comfortable with it. And then another book is, I don't know if you've read Man's Search for Meaning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Frankl. By Victor Frankl. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I haven't been, I have a, a podcast of a friend. Uh, her name is Daisy. So it's Pocket Full of Daisy. Um, and she teaches moms uh, or, or her future is moms and how uh, to sort of be uh navigating through this time as a mom and it's sort of like more mom related and it's interesting um and then tv what have i been watching i haven't watched a series in a while i think the last one i saw recently was the fourth season of casa de papel all right cool so that's it awesome that was good that was good what is something that you were sure about in your 20s that you no longer believe Ooh, what was I sure about in my 20s? Uh, I was sure about sort of, I wanted, you know, to be married with kids and sort of the, this sort of, um, I guess, traditional form, right? And now I don't even see marriage as something that needs to happen. Or, you know, I think that that in my 20s was like, oh my God, I can't wait to get married. I have kids and blah, blah. And now I don't even see that as... A necessary thing and that marriage is what you make out of it with your partner it doesn't have to be sort of the traditional route of you know however it, it, it happens um, and just being committed to each other would for me now at this point in my life suffices um, so I think that that has changed the idea of, of family I mean marriage and, and starting a family and what that looks like has shifted interesting cool what's the best piece either the best piece of advice you've ever gotten or the best piece of advice you'd like to give people um the best advice i can give people is to treat life and yourself as an experiment so to just like everything trial and error and if you fail or you stumble then you learn something out of it so it's just trying different things and if you approach life as an experiment it's sort of removes that sort of seriousness of it and you just kind of play and you play like kids and you figure out what you like what you don't like and you adapt and start shifting around so that's the best advice i can give awesome awesome and before i get to the last question um you know i'm going to link to your website live to transform.com instagram patty erdos coach facebook yes uh, lips to transform in there is there anything that you want to specifically draw attention to or or, so, or something that you want to promote or anything like that that you want to talk about? Um, I will be offering a mindset class again. I did it online three weeks ago, so I will be repeating that. So stay tuned in my Instagram and other social media platforms on the, the, the date for the second one. Um, it's going to be packed with goodies and um, things that we talked about today, but taking it, you know, uh, deeper level. Um, and right now I am offering 20% off my coaching packages because of this pandemic and everything that's happening. So something to keep in mind, if this resonated with you and you want to reach out, then, you know, let's chat. And that's something that I'm offering right now. Is the best place to reach out your Instagram or your, or your website or either way, website, Instagram, or just email me at Patricia at live to transform.com. Got it. I'll link it. Love it. Love it. Patty, I want to acknowledge you for making the time to come on here. This was awesome. This is cool. Listen, as long as I've known you just every time, like you just have this like smile on your face. That's really easy to get (laughs) along. You make, you make a room. Well, you also always have really, I I find that you attract really great people around you, right? Like every time I see a group of people that I was like, Oh yeah, she's friends with Patty too. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, of course. That makes sense. Right. So I just want to, you know, say thanks for coming on and, 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 and keep it in contact. And I hope that we can uh, continue to grow the relationship some more. 
Yeah, this is, was wonderful. I hope we can do this again for sure. Cool. Thank you awesome. so much. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation right there as much as I did. Listen, Connect with Pablo is a content marketing community creation agency. The bottom line is that if you can start creating content that can give value to your customers or audience while creating strategic relationships through it, you can have a content machine that allows you to tell the story of your business through the value you are creating while gathering people together. If you're curious about that or know someone who could be, please shoot me an email at you should at connectwithpablo.com or hit me up on Instagram or LinkedIn through the profiles tagged in the show notes. If you just want a quick pick me up and some tactical advice right before walking into a room full of strangers, go to connectwithpablo.com, watch the five minute video about how to walk into a room and not feel like you're all alone and or download the little cheat sheet on how to do just that. I have a lot of my friends that I've done networking with me for a long time tell me that they love watching that thing and carrying it around when they're walking into a networking event or they're walking into a conference or sometimes even if you're just walking into a wedding and you don't know anybody, right? It has a lot of use for it. I invite you to check it out if you need it. I really hope you stick around, connect with me and start leaning into finding value in others and feeling like you have value to give yourself. It'll make the world a better place. I promise. Until the next episode, I am Pablo Gonzalez, your Chief Executive Connector.